thank you for joining me for another redemption broadcast. I'm back. Yes, and I, I hope we humanity makes a strong, definitive comeback. I wanted to open up, uh, of course, with um, uh, prayer, just to give a brief moment of silence and reflection of all those courageous, beautiful, wonderful fathers out there who have came and went and passed through this world of experience. And just a brief moment of silence for all those good deeds. Yes, thank you, Father in heaven, uh, for your wondrous grace and favor that you have bestowed upon us. And we thank you for your glorious and triumphant victory because we know from, uh, of course, this faith-based perspective on human relationships that God wins. God is victorious. Uh, although we endure great suffering and turmoil in this world, that we know that uh, Heavenly Father, creator of all life, has uh, defeated this um, evil that has plagued mankind, this evil travesty, rooted in disobedience and pride. So if you could... Just also continue to bear with me in prayer. Open our eyes, Abba. Pray, you can pray with me in agreement. Open our eyes, Abba, that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. In the mighty name of Jesus of Nazareth. Father, the kind of person on whom you look with favor is one with a poor, empty, and humble spirit who tremble at thy word. Abba, we Adonai. Please count our names worthy of your calling for our lives and fulfill all the good pleasure, all your good pleasure and goodness in the work of faith with power and love in the mighty name of Yeshua HaMashiach, the Anointed One, Jesus Christ. So those prayers are sealed and we are resting in the sovereignty of the Almighty, trusting and the sovereignty and control of the Almighty as we partner with our Father to do good works, good deeds, to spread love, to be love, and amen. Now, the title of this particular presentation is Who's Your Daddy? So uh, in the in the States there um, is a celebration of Father's Day, and I wanted to kind of give an open opening um after the prayer is an uh, inspirational uh, message. Uh, it's actually written by Stephen Scott, and it's imprinted in the um, Good News uh, Today publication. And I just want to take a brief moment just to read through this because I thought it was absolutely lovely, and especially when there's a seems to be like almost like a war on manhood and what a father really is but a traditional sense of what a father is it's someone who um is uh, actually uh impregnates a woman with a seed the seed is um uh semen and the semen unites with a, a female egg and what this does is it creates a and I know this seems like common sense, but it creates a human being. Basically, a human being starts developing. And in nine months, the female, the the, the woman, 
um, has is the portal to the only portal actually that enables human life to proceed onto this earth. So every single human being that exists, um, this is not against science, this is science. Every human being that exists on the earth um, came from that portal through a woman, Mm -hmm. a biological woman, like biologically created to to support a human developing human being so she has to have a certain bone structure with uh, a pelvis and in a curvature in her spine to be able if she does experience this in in this life to support a developing human baby that passes through throughout um, out her body and so the father and it was just a celebration of motherhood and all that details but it goes deeper you know it's that practical interaction and nurturing that can occur in a relationship and and uh which is a beautiful thing that um someone can experience uh with their biological mother or in some other cases it's just a mother figure so like mothers fathers biological males have the ability to procreate with a, a female or a woman to procreate and to begin human life. So, and of course, just as a female, female goes much more than that, right? When you when you have actual relationship, actual guidance, actual actual participation, and uh, or some don't get that experience. They they've they've had a father course because they exist on this physical plane um uh and yet they they have a father figure so i just wanted to go into it with um with this particular um again this uh what father's day means to me by uh uh, stephen scott so father's day is to me about being thankful to the men in our lives who take on the responsibility and obligations of guiding us through life. Most of the time, taking that responsibility begins at birth of their child. But sometimes God gives children their father through other paths. All right? When a man becomes a father, he takes on new a new obligation and expectations i do not know this from firsthand experience for i do not have any children however i have experienced the range of consequences of those responsibilities from being uh, forgotten to the impact of when a man steps up and owns them. So again, uh, back to the title of this uh, particular presentation, Who's Your Daddy? And I think it's important to reflect, you know, who's your daddy? And I wanted to take it from a more spiritualized sense and then go a little bit uh, into how this may impact our human relationships. Because 
course, we have the spiritual plane where everything is actually <laughs> happens before it manifests onto the um, physical plane. So you see a lot of this emphasis in faith base because, of course, there's there's tons of perhaps presentations or um, teachings on the corporal level of of human relationships. However, in this particular uh, redemption broadcast, what we do is we take a faith-based perspective on our human relations because really that is the fundamental foundation. That spiritual aspect has, is, is it has a deep impact on our human relationships. And again, in previous broadcasts, I was highlighting how important it is to love. How love is, <laughs> as a believer in Christ and of course, I understand other people have different faith perceptions, but as a believer in Christ, Jesus, uh, to mean to be a follower of his of Christ's teachings, is that in scriptures we're told God is love. And even the greatest commandment in the Torah, Spain in the Torah, which also Jesus taught, is to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So this is a command. So this whole love, which is understanding that love makes everything grow. Love and um, is uh, makes everything grow. Love is what makes the world sustainable. And I'm going to get back to that. Um, but what I wanted to get to is when we are young children, if you think about it, or just in children reflecting on childhood, is that. When uh, a child is young, they're so uh, observant, believe it or not, and they know more than you think. Um, they're, they're extremely observant, and of, often what happens is they begin to adopt uh, the characteristics, mannerisms of whatever environment that they are around. Um, they get conditioned. So this is our early onset of, of how we learn about communication, how we relate to other humans. Is, is learned at the, the most earliest stages. Of course, some are more hostile than others. But um, if we look at just an um, ideal, ideal, preferable situation where you just have a, a loving parent, um, let's just look at that, and you'll have a father or mother, and the child will begin to mimic uh, the parents. They'll begin to do this reenactment of what they've seen their parents do. And they're just picking up and learning about the world that they've been placed in by the Heavenly Father, of course, and they're having this human experience. So with that in mind, uh, just keep that in our, I wanted to keep that in our mind, how depending on who we're emulating, we'll begin to reflect that type of character and mannerisms. And there's studies to show, you know, how deep impact um, um, uh, those imprints at earlier ages from our environment, from our interactions, um, whether bad or good, can demonstrate can can have a a, a fundamental um, or rooted, deeply rooted. Let's just say, deeply rooted um, uh, uh, effect on on how we behave, and um, in some cases, some unlearned behavior has to happen because it's unhealthy. So. With that in mind, um, I wanted to go to the beginning, Bereshit in Genesis. And I wanted to talk about, because I, I mentioned about early on, I was praying, you know, we want to be a reflector 
of our Father's image, our heavenly Creator's image, because we're made in the likeness and image of our Creator. And being a creation of the Most High, living on this physical plane, we want to emulate the character of the Most High that's been broken from sin. <laughs> we live in a fallen, broken world. And as a believer in Christ, a way to gain access back into restored fellowship is through Jesus Christ, belief in Jesus Christ and his life, death, and resurrection. And, but, and also being obedient to what he taught, which he expounded on the Torah and brought, ushered in a new covenant, a new covenant that also invites the Goyim, the Gentile, into this new restored covenant. You know, so it's a restored covenant. And I wanted to get into this new covenant, this new testament, this new, this new way of living out the commands of the Most High. It's a new, and I would say, it's not necessarily, it's, it's, it's a united fellowship. That's what I want to say. A united unity with the Heavenly Father. So we could be perfectly one. Perfectly one. In love. So, um, <clears throat> um, and, uh, all nations, that's what I referred to when I mentioned that, um, that as, as far as Gentile and all nations to come into realization, okay, of, of what our Heavenly Father has created. Our history has been, of course, distorted. But let's go back to Genesis. Let's go back. I, we're going to take a bit of a scripture tour because everything comes together. If you just bear with me, it's a very interesting journey. And I, I hope you enjoy it because at the end of this, we're going to realize our, 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 who we really are and our identity. A lot of people are like, what is our, what are we, where am I? Who am I? I don't know. And you go through all your 20s trying to find it. Let me, let me just say this, this is um, very interesting. So Bereshit in Genesis chapter 3 the fall of humanity. We see the fall of Adam and Eve. Um, they've been disobedient. They've partook something that God said not to partake of. And some has suggested this is an allegory, allegory, a tale of allegory. But I'm just going to look at this specific passage. And I encourage you to read through it. Read through it. Read what happened. Read the very cunning, deceptive act that happened in this particular Garden of Eden. By the adversary, right? So chapter 3, verse uh, 15, it reads, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between her seed or descendant and her descendant and her seed. He will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. And I just want to read this because there's different translations. So I will... Uh, put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, he will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. So again, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your descendant and her descendant. He will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. So, wow, someone's head's getting crushed. And I think it's the adversary. And that's what, that's what the prophetic word 
is right here that there's also two seeds. We're seeing the seed of the woman and then the, the seed or descendant from the adversary, from the serpent. So um, let's continue on in our scripture tour. So we have the establishment. Whoa, wait a minute. There's two seeds. There's two descendants here. There's a seed of a woman and the seed of the adversary. What's going on here? So let's continue on. Let's look at John. Let's look at the Gospel of John. Let's look at, and this is a faith-based perspective according to uh, believers in Christ. Believe this, this seed, this seed of the woman is Yeshua HaMashiach, the anointed one, prophesied throughout the Torah and Tanakh. This is the uh, the anointed one that would come into the world to redeem uh, humanity back to the Father and to unite us back to the Father. Now, um, and those who take on the identity of Christ and walk in the image and his teachings, which is to the Father, the words and commands of the Father. Okay, so as Christ, we're going to go... The mind of Christ crushes the head. Notice the bruised heel. So we have this uh, understanding of this final sacrifice from this unblemished, sinless vessel that through the righteousness of Christ, we are made righteous before our, our Father. We are made holy as the scriptures said, be holy as I am holy. And we begin to go through the sanctification process, this cleansing process, of course, this gift of sanctification we receive by favor. And then we have to go through this process of purging. We may go through fiery furnace of affliction, um, go through all this to purge us of our pride to, to, to we become the image of our father. We become the image of of a father, we have that restored um, uh, a likeness, and it's all to get us back on track. It's all to get us back on track. That's what will heal and mend this broken, broken world when we we when we reach uh, becoming the image and likeness of our Creator, and not the adversary. So we, when we see the adversary here. And in, in, when we look at John chapter 844, look at John 844, the children of the devil or the children of the adversary, the evil one of Satan. Um, as some people say, you belong to your father. This is Jesus speaking. Um, and he was speaking to the Pharisees. <laughs> he was speaking to the Judeans of the day that he was speaking. And when we want to see what he said. So you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out his desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, refusing to uphold the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language because he is a liar and the father of lies. So right here is a, a, a passage that just explains what the, the uh, seed of Satan actually, what they what 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 are they what what's what's their characteristics well they take on their father's characteristics evil baddie and i go if you look at other broadcasts i encourage you look at past broadcasts 
and where I go into um, evil baddie and choices and people that emulate evil baddie and what they do and the wickedness that they perform here on earth because they they're serving evil baddie, which is I is referenced to Satan or the adversary. They have a dark heart and they they're in darkness. So you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out his desires. So right here we have a desire. And the desire is not to do what the creator desires to do. And we're going to get that because we learned early on when everything was perfect and beautiful and the instructions that he gave Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. That's a desire of the heaven. That's a desire. Okay. So we have, we have his desire, right? And we see that, that they, they completed that task because we're here today. We, um, his desires, but we're taking his desires. So what, what is kind of his, his desires? So he was a murderer from the beginning. So we already have here is a murdering spirit. A murdering spirit. Untruthful. So basically, it, it is, there's, there's a innate uh, affection to lying. He is a murderer from the beginning, refusing to uphold the truth. The truth is like, ugh. you know how like some people don't like to be lied to? They're like, oh my God, you know. Oh, you just lied to me. It's the same reaction in reverse for someone who dislikes the truth. Because so when they hear the truth, it's like, ah, speaking the truth. And this is what was occurring. We're going to see this is what was occurring at the time of this exchange that the, that Jesus was having. And uh, at the time of this particular exchange. And um, <laughs> it's interesting. And I encourage you to read, read, read. Uh, John chapter 8 read John chapter 8 take some time read the don't just go around hearing about it all because you know take time and try to, try to read that out because it's very interesting this particular exchange that Jesus is having because he's talking about what true freedom is we're going to get back to this what sonship is and I tell you that and this is in uh, we're going to I, I encourage you to read, uh, John chapter 8 verse um this is a scripture tour. John chapter 8, 33 to 47. And I'm just going to start. Yeah, the truth will make you free. And Jesus that uh, did, or Yeshua did speak the truth. Okay. Yeshua's name in uh, Hebrew. So, um, so, uh, so here we go. Someone say Yeshua. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. So here we go. Yes, indeed, I tell you that everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So we're missing the mark, we're being disobedient, we're not following the commands of the Most High. And what is the greatest commandment that we learn? To love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. I want us to remember that because that, that, that root in love is, is, is completely fundamental to our sustaining our human existence. <laughs> now, a slave does not remain with a family forever, but a son does remain with it forever. So if the son frees you, you will really be free. And we know that Yeshua was the son of God. I know you are the seed of Abraham, yet you are out to kill me because what I am saying makes you makes no headway in you makes no sense to you I say 
what my father, and this is a key point. I want to, that's why I'm saying it slowly like that. I say what my father has shown me. You do what your father has told you. And this is interesting. I say, I say what my father has shown me. You do what your father has told you. So we see this, and, and I want to break this down. And, and I said it a few times so, so it can resonate in our spirits, just so we can understand that we have Jesus that is shown instructions from his father and then he does them and so the same is with the seed of satan who has been shown instructions and then performs them so if we just scroll down and we go to uh verse 42 yeshua replied to them if god were your father you would love me because i am out of from god and now i have a arrived here on earth in the physical plane i did not come on my own he sent me why don't you understand what i'm saying because you can't hear you can't bear excuse me you can't bear to listen to my message maybe <laughs> that's it too you belong to your father satan and you want to carry out your father's desires as we just read. And if you just scroll down to verse 47. Whoever belongs to God listens to what God says. The reason you don't listen is that you don't belong to God. Bottom line. Because Jesus said so. <laughs> in the, I believe it's in scriptures. You show me the path of life. In your presence is joy to satisfaction. At your right hand are pleasures forever. Jesus came to show us the path of life. And so I wanted to highlight that so we have an understanding of the two seeds that exist on this physical plane. And they're at enmity. But we have a prophetic pronouncement early on. The Most High told us the end from the beginning. That the head of the serpent will be crushed. The head of the serpent will be crushed. And that doesn't come without pain or suffering. As we see Yeshua went through. Through his uh, crucifixion. Doesn't come without affliction. On, in this life. And later on in those who, who bear tribulation and, and, and suffering. Uh, the believers that follow the teachings. And spreading the message, the the new 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 covenant message of restored fellowship, this redemptive work, buying us back from the adversary, giving us victory and sonship. We're no longer slaves to sin. We are sons and daughters of the living God. We have divine sonship, and I'll just put it under the mantle: divine sonship. That's who we really are. We're creations of the Most High. And that in Christ Jesus, we, we have authority over the kingdom of darkness. Has no, no, no authority over us in Christ Jesus. With that unity 
And that's what all that unity that, that Christ was leading us to. And, he, and, and later on, and we read, in, um, and when I talk about perfectly one, and I'll get back to that, but the, I wanted to get that understanding of divine sonship. The divine sonship. And if we, if we think about this a little further, I know this is at a, a bit of a lengthy um, podcast, but I want, us, I want us to really dig deep and, 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 and not just miss it, because these words can be often missed. Um, in, the Dishnach, in the book of the prophets, Habakkuk, um, we have a passage that says, You come out to save your people, to save your anointed one. You crush the head of the house of the wicked, uncovering its foundation all the way up to the neck. It's pathetic. Pathetic. Anointed one. Anointed. Crushing the head. Crushing the head of the house of the wicked, uncovering its foundation all the way up to the neck. It exposes, the truth exposes the lies. It's the light in the darkness of the adversary. The lies of the adversary. Truth exposes the lie of the adversary. And what is our hope? Break the arm of the wicked. As for the evil man, search out his wickedness until there is none left. And you say, oh, wow, that seems kind of, that was in Psalms uh, chapter 9 verse 15 i believe and it's like, oh that seems kind of graphic you're talking about breaking the arm of the wicked that's it's like an act of violence but you gotta you think you know that's a surface level understand break the arm the deeds of the wicked because you know you, you work with your hands right break the arm of the wicked as for the evil man evil man search out his wickedness until there is none left root it out and if you're traveling wickedness we have in Isaiah, and it said, Let the wicked person abandon his way, and the evil person his thoughts. Let him return to Adonai, and he will have mercy on him. Let him return to our God, for he will freely forgive. Let's return. If you return to me, I'll return to you. So, um, Jesus was speaking, right? We just read that in John, and I wanted to think about that a little bit because we and I mentioned about the new covenant and um no it is understanding that Jesus was a Judean he was uh, he, he he was a Judean he was from the tribe of Judah so he followed the spirituality um uh, of the of the Torah and the Tanakh so he familiar let's just say <laughs> in practicing um culturally embedded and and Judaism, you want to say what it was, was Judaism. Perhaps not what it is turned into today, but what we understand from the scriptures and commands and, 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 and that of the Torah that he lived by that. And he taught the, those, um, the heart of the matter of the Torah, what it was then. And being sent from God. And um, so he says, if God were your father, you would love me because I came out from God. And now I have arrived here. I did not come on my own. He sent me. He sent me. 
as in Abba, God, the creator of all life, seen and unseen. He sent me. So with that understanding of, okay, well, Jesus was sent, okay? And it just brings you back to the Tanakh. It brings you back to Deuteronomy, which is which means word in Hebrew. Um, we 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 it brings you back to the most thinking about the Mosaic uh, covenant. Okay, that was a you know Mosaic covenant, and it, it was a transitioning every phase occurring from the Mosaic covenant into the new covenant, Yeshua's covenant. Because we see various covenant from Noah's covenant, Abraham's covenant, Mosaic covenant. We have, the, you know, these covenants represented in scripture. We have these phases of human experience happening as these new covenants are established. We have the Mosaic covenant and then we have. So just thinking about this transition, we look at um, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse uh, um, 8. eight uh, 15 I believe it's uh, 15 um, and Deuteronomy chapter 18 15 uh, we see um, Mose, Moses uh, Mo, giving a, a, a prophetic word and he says Adonai will raise up for you a prophet and this is what he told the people Adonai will raise up for you a prophet like me from among yourselves from your own kinsmen you are to pay attention to him just as when you were assembled at Horeb and uh, requested Adonai, your God, don't let me hear the voice of Adonai, my God, anymore, or let me see this great fire ever again. If I do, I will die. On that occasion, Adonai sent, said to me, they are right. It's <laughs> completely holy and good. And what they are saying, I will cause... I will, excuse me, I will raise up for them a prophet. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their kinsmen. I will put my word, I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I order him. Whoever doesn't listen to my words, which he will speak in my name, will have to account for himself to me. So we see this prophetic word in other people say, oh, that's somebody else. And it, it, it's looked at as a, a messianic uh, uh, prophetic pronouncement, right, by Mose of this coming uh, one, a prophet like me, like Mose, like Moses. And, and we think about, well, well, what was Moses? He was like the spokesman for God. He was a spokesman for God. And we look back in scriptures, okay, if you look in Exodus, what was um, in, in, his, in his commission, his own commission to go to Pharaoh and to set the ca captives free. The, 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 his people were held captive in, in Mitzurim in Egypt for 400 years. And he was sending Moses. And that's a whole other story. And I, I, there's really no time to get into it. But I encourage you to read it. It's in Exodus. Exodus. And it's actually Shema. In the Hebrew scriptures, it was names. Okay, just bear with me now. Because we're on the scripture tour here. And I want you to keep in mind divine sonship. Okay. Um, when uh, Exodus chapter 7. Um, Exodus chapter 7. And we're looking at verse 1. But Adonai said to Mo Moshe, Moses. I have put you in the place of God to Pharaoh and Aaron, 
your brother will be your prophet. You are to say everything I order you and Aaron, your brother, is to speak to Pharaoh and tell him to let the people of Israel leave the land. So this is interesting because this is phenomenal because I just wanted to give a background of like, you know, Moses commission. Moses would be like God to Pharaoh. And he was going to put words in Moses's mouth. You are to say everything I order you. So he was speaking. So when he spoke is as God was speaking. Because he was being obedient to what he was being shown by God and to relaying that to Pharaoh and to his people. And um, so like Moses, Jesus, and we just read it and earlier on, setting the captives free. We read it in, in, in John. Um, Jesus setting the captives free <laughs> spiritually, spiritually. And then we'll, we begin to see um, in, in, in the age to come is this manifestation of that freedom. We'll begin to see the manifestation physically in this, in this plane, in this corporal plane of that freedom. And that Yahshua, which is Jesus. So it's very important for us to maintain the mind of Christ. And what is the command that Jesus gave? Because he said, listen to him. What is the command that Jesus gave? To love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And we know that in this particular, and it's so interesting. Because I just read Exodus chapter 8, uh, verse 1. And also that, uh, and before and previous, John chapter 8. Where he talks about being sent by God. And I... Say what my father has shown me. And later on, it's stated, Jesus says, I did not come on my own. He sent me. Just like Mose was sent to Pharaoh. To set his people free. To demand his people be free. Jesus was sent to set us free. So, to make us free. And by conveying the truth. Fulfilling the Torah. Fulfilling the Torah. And we see also that um, with the destruction of the the temple in 70 AD, the final destruction um, and desolation made into uh, the, the, the area in Judah, um, we... <sighs> We see this new uh, New Testament begin to take root because in the time of Christ and even after the three years after the Christ, the years after Christ, there was a transitional phase in a limbo period, and uh, of um of the old of the Mosaic Law with the New Covenant, um, and it being ex under commission, spread and shared. And uh, developing a messianic community, uh, Christ's teachings, what he prophesied, what he told his disciples or taught ones. And we see this growth. And 2,000 years later, we still have it. 2,000 years has transformed lives. 
It has transformed people's perceptions, and it has brought people closer to the Heavenly Father. Because we see Jesus constantly throughout the Gospels pointing to the Father. We see constantly throughout Scriptures Jesus pointing us to the Father, pointing us, pointing us back to the Father, pointing us back to restoration with the Father. So um, I wanted to highlight those passages just so we could get an understanding of sonship and understanding of uh, foundational aspects when it comes to our human relationships and who's your daddy. We know that either your daddy is evil baddie or your daddy is serving the one true only king. And that is Elohim. That is God. That is the creator of all life, seen and unseen. Um, and becoming in, and coming into unity. And just to think about the prayer um, that's demonstrated in um, in the book of John. Spend some time there. But in the book of John, and I know it's one of the later gospels and everything like that. But if you look at the the book of John, I want to get this concept of unity because this is a this is this is also taught in the in, in this concept of unity and clinging to the Father and being in unity with the Father. That's that's what I wanted to highlight. But that I pray not only for those, but also and this is in uh, chapter seventeen, by the way. Um, this is Jesus' prayer. Uh, recorded in John or put in John I pray not only for for these but also for those who will trust in me because of their word but they may all be one just as you father are united with me and I with you I pray that they may be united with us so that the world may believe that you sent me, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, so that they may be one, just as we are one, I united with them, and you with me, so that they may be completely one, perfectly one, and the world thus realize that you sent me, and that you have loved them, just as you have loved me. So, so there we have it, folks. I and then later it says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these people have known that you sent me. I made you your name known to them, and I will continue to make it known so that the love the love which you have loved me may be in them and I myself may be united with them. And that's where we must remain, united in love. United in love means to be united in Christ, to be united to the Father so we can be perfectly one. See, we're back to love. <laughs> and the Most High is also a, a, a God of judgment. And we talked about it in another broadcast, you know, uh, yes, the Lord is merciful. Yes, the Lord is compassionate. Yes, there comes a time where enough is enough. And we see that throughout scriptures where different peop different kings are humbled. They're brought down low. And, they, and, they, and he raises kings and he, and, he, and he anoints them and puts them in place like David, David. Where Saul was dismissed. He started out all right, started out prophesying. And in a rebellious, prideful heart, 
developing Saul and Saul was dismounted. <laughs> he dismounted. Um, and where it was a bit of a turbulence. So let me just say, it wasn't an easy transition. Let's just say it wasn't an easy transition, but the transition happened where David was eventually anointed king and placed as king. I mean, Saul was out for David's life, but David still respected, he still had uh, respected uh, uh, um, Saul and his kingship and his early anointment, anointed status and kingship. And even when he had, he was able to, to, to enact revenge and put, put Saul in his place because he was hunting him down like a dog and he was trying to kill David. Let's just put it frank. But David says, he's noted in saying in scriptures, may Adonai judge between you and me and may Adonai avenge me on you, but I will, will not lay a hand on you. That's how much respect David had for Saul. I mean, and for God, <laughs> for God and, and trusting in God. And, and, um, um, and we see that play, play out because Saul was eventually, we know that he was dismounted by, and, um, he committed suicide. And David gave him a proper burial. Honorable burial. We know the wicked things that Saul did. He even tried to kill him. He still gave him a honorable burial. Here we go. But we know, um... David's name is a righteous name and it lives on David after God's own heart. And David was not perfect. David was not perfect. We know that in scriptures and what he did. If you want to read about his life, read about his life. David it was a man after God's own heart. So now I just wanted to, uh, this is the last scripture I wanted to read. It's, um, it's in Proverbs and it talks about um, these two paths and when I, just a reflection of these two seeds and it's and I'll be closing shortly so thank you for bearing with me if you have because I thought this was a very interesting study and if we, we uh, to get into and hope the connections were made and um, so no one is made secure and this is in Proverbs chapter um, 12 it's it's said to be written and, 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 and recorded by Solomon the wisest man and we know the even wisest that's why being the even wisest with Jesus no one is made secure in wickedness but the roots of the righteous will never be moved will never be moved no one is made secure in wickedness but the roots of the righteous will never be moved then in passages um, five to seven, then in passages five to seven, uh, the plans of the righteous are just, but the schemes of the wicked are deceitful. The words of the wicked are deadly ambush, but the speech of the upright rescues them. Once the wicked are down, it's the end of them, but the house of the upright endures. The house of the upright endures it doesn't play pay excuse me <laughs> it doesn't pay is it, is it play now pay later it, it doesn't pay to be wicked the way's not secure the deceitful wicked schemes come to nothing and we know that this and once the wicked are down it's the end of them but the house of the upright is endures it's completely sustainable so back to what I mentioned about divine sonship 
and being sons and daughters of God, being children of God, being born again and believers in Christ and being born and having restored fellowship with the Father, walking in love, being in love, sharing love, being love to others, doing good deeds. What is deeds? Good actions, helpful actions, um, helping the poor, helping the widow, helping the orphan. Righteous living. What is righteous living? Being obedient to the Most High's commands. And I, I explained what the Most High's main command to us. Love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. That communion, that unity with our Heavenly Father empowers us and enables us to love others. And to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Even love our enemy. Because we know the Heavenly Father's in control. We know, and this is just not about talking about, I'm not talking about being a doormat. What I'm talking about is walking in our divine sonship and restored identity. A restored natural good identity in the likeness and image of our Father. And so that love, communion with the Heavenly Father enables us to love others and to share that love and to do good works it comes from a, a, a selfless place it comes from a, a servant's heart and we know that jesus was a leader who served he was a leader with authority that served and we want to walk in that ability as especially as believers in christ but walk in and as 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 faithfully as we can to being and having that servant's heart to loving our neighbor to loving others. And this is how we can mend and heal our broken world. Because the opposite of that is hate. The opposite of that is self-centeredness. The opposite of that is pride. The opposite of that is to crush people down. The opposite of that is when you're communion, you're communion with uh, all these uh, demonic entities and you're communion, you're not walking by the spirit of the Most High. You're not, you're not allowing the Holy Spirit of the Most High to dwell in you and the wisdom and understanding of the Heavenly Father. You're walking in darkness and then you're doing, what is it? To steal, kill, and destroy for your own self-centered gain. You're doing the, the will and desire of the, the Father. What is it to be a murderer, a murderer and a liar? Hurting and, not, and really hurting yourself. Preparing yourself to be eternally set apart by your own deeds and behavior. To be eternally set apart from all that is holy and pure and good. So what I want to encourage us is to walk in love. To, to be that light in the darkness. To show love. To be the light and salt of the earth. Because the other path is destruction. And... Uh, we're walking in selfishness and pride, and the path of it is destructive. You look at all the places where hate is, is allowed to thrive. It's the most destructive, dysfunctional, corrupt places you could ever imagine. Because it, any, any type of operation outside of the, uh, of the unity with the Heavenly Father is disastrous. That's why love makes everything grow. Look at places where love and, and is, is thriving, and, and, and people are... Are doing good deeds and helping that sharing mutual benefit you know you'll see those places thrive it's a place of life it's a it's a place of life and speaking of life because early on and now i i mentioned about closing you know but 
the the fact of the matter is, um, early on I mentioned about the earliest commands in Bereshit in Genesis, the Most High gave to to Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply upon the earth, fill the earth, go ahead, go at it. Uh, no Eve, Adam, Eve, no Adam, <laughs> um, and 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 to be fruitful and to multiply. We know, um. And I talk about sustainability. That's a big word, right? That's also thrown around. Sustainable. It's sustainable this and sustainable that and sustain sustainable world. And um, so sustainability, in, in a modern sense, is the ability to exist constantly in the twenty first century. It refers to generally the capacity of Earth's biosphere and human civilization civilization to coexist. So that's like a like a you know quick understanding. Okay, what does it mean to be you know sustainable? So um, okay, so and I want to keep I want to highlight this. Uh, I want to I wanted to uh, highlight this. Um, so sustainable, capable of being supported, um, pertaining to a system that maintains its own viability by using techniques that allow for continual reuse, able to be maintained or kept going as an action or process able to be kept going we want humanity to keep going but right now it, it's it's hitting a, it's hitting like you ever hit a rock bottom we from the birth rate according to the world bank the birth rate is plummeting from 1960 we we had we had things going on if you remember in the 1960s there was marriage was promoted this understanding of marriage and children and home and family because that's the only comparison I can give to what the hell happened here. 1960, boom. Big, huge plummet. There's always been an assault. And you read that in Enoch, in, in the book of Enoch. I know people are not familiar with that book. It is also it's in the Ethiopian canon. But the book of Enoch explains, you know, there's always been an assault on, on procreation, on humanity from the adversary. And we see early on, perhaps the 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 reason for that the, the, to prevent this crushing of the head <laughs> the, of the serpent you know and we see that complete defeat <laughs> in christ jesus you know we had we see that complete defeat by those with the mind of christ we know god wins he's our only deliverer the only deliverer will be the most high the writings on the wall let's say <laughs> Babylon has fallen 2.0 but we look at sustainability in our humanity and it being promoted of being replaced turning into cyborgs our own concept of what it is to be human and if the most high doesn't deliver us I mean there don't be be left on the earth just like in the days of Noah so if you don't think it's the days of Noah I don't know what to tell you it's the days of Noah the days of Noah the, it, it, Noah was was one of the last pure human righteous person on earth ate left in the ark and the rains came down, the floods came up. God renewed the earth. We was like, oh, this must have not been the first time that's been happening. It's been new. Well, we know the earth was renewed again and started over again, procreated again. We all come from Noah, descent from Noah. Of course, we have all these various nations. And this is being proven in DNA. When you look at this, um, you know, being proved in DNA. So I, not to go on and on. It's Father's Day coming up, and I wanted to talk about not only uh, biological fatherhood early on in the in the presentation, but also uh, our spiritual identity. And a lot of people look for purpose of life. You know, what is my purpose? 
And in scriptures, it tells us plainly, simply, what our purpose is. Loving Adonai, and this is in Deuteronomy, um, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Loving Adonai, your God. This is what he told his people. Loving Adonai, your God. Paying attention to what he says and clinging to him. For that is the purpose of your life. That is the purpose of our life, to be in unity with our Father. To be in unity and communion with our Heavenly Father, the creator of all life, seen and unseen. To be perfectly one in Christ Jesus, this is what he taught. To be in union, to cling to the Father. And to pay attention to what he says. So we begin to be the likeness of image of our Father right here on earth, walking in authority in our sonship. And you know, say, oh, I'm a woman. I'm, I'm talking about in a general sense of divine sonship, divine, um, being a divine creature. That old identity, whatever you've done in the past, maybe you were, you were just a prostitute, you could have been a drug addict, you could have been just a, a womanizer, you could have been just somebody who just was mean and cruel and hurt people, you harmed people, you could have had more, did the most horrific acts, whatever it is, come into Christ, cleanse made pure, come into your senses, come into the almighty God, seek in the face of the almighty and come into the truth. Because if you seek the most high, he will, he will reveal his truth to you and being cleansed and having a new reconstructed identity. And what is that identity is back to your original identity of sonship, being made in the likeness and image of the father. That old is gone. You are a new creation, that old into a newness. You're cleansed. You're set free. You're made free. Crucify it. Crucify it. It's dead to you. So now take the lessons because your your testimony is very important. Just thinking about Mike Lindell. He had a book out. Crack addict to CEO. I mean, miracles happen every day. And just thinking about Psalms 82, when I was talking about divine sonship, you know, and and, and, and there's a passage in scriptures, it's, it's also debatable, but it's, my decree is, you are God's sons, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, you will die like mortals, like any prince, you, you will fall. So this is what Jesus repeated <laughs> to the Pharisees. Um, but we know that we are sons, not the most high, sons of the most high, all of you. And we have this unity. And it's, it's a very interesting passage in Psalms 82 we, where there's a heavenly council, a divine assembly that we witnessed in this particular passage and song. And it is very interesting because it relates to our modern day times. Because we see this level of wickedness. and How about we read it together? Elohim, this is a Psalms 82. Elohim stands, or God, stands in the divine assembly. There with the Elohim, the lowercase Elohim, the gods, the judges, some translations say. How long will you go on judging unfairly, favoring the wicked? Salah. Give justice to the weak and fatherless. 
uphold the rights of the wretched and poor. Rescue the, the destitute and needy. Deliver them from the poor of the wicked. So we, we see this divine assembly, this divine assembly occurring. They don't know. They don't understand. They wander about in darkness. Meanwhile, all the foundation of the earth are being undermined. See how the, the, the path of the wicked is so destructive. My decree is, you are Elohim, gods, lowercase gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, you will die like mortals, like any prince, you will fall. Rise up, Elohim, God, rise up and judge the earth, for all the nations are yours. So we see this exchange. Is divine assembly, and it's interesting because we understand that. And you said, "Well, he's talking to angels, but angels are not mortals." So I'm just saying we have an immortal state. Of course, our souls are immortal, but we have a mortal state here, and yet we are sons of the Most High. And being sons of the Most High, and that sonship, divine sonship of His children upon the earth. We know there's a day of reckoning coming. We know God will judge the earth. And we read that in the book of Enoch with the righteous one. And we see this redemption cleansing happening and occurring. So we know that the earth will be cleansed eventually. When that is, I don't know completely where evil is eradicated. In the meantime, we're prepared to be that righteous bride. To be like our father. And just in closing, Father's Day, as God intended, the holiday is a time to express to our fathers the gratitude we have for the sacrifices they've made, especially if they're still alive. And it is a time to evaluate our relationships with them to the forefront of our hearts and minds. God showed us the importance of this relationship, especially in the scriptures especially in the scriptures, in the, in, in the Gospels. It gives us an intimate view of the relationship between Christ, the Son, and the Sonship that he held with God the Father. Jesus gave thanks to the Father as an example to us. Father's Day is the time we designate to thank our earthly father's man, and our Heavenly Father, just as our Savior did. So I hope that was in, in, in what the, the whole highlight of this whole presentation was all about. And I hope more fathers step up to the plate. Many have. They step up to the plate and actually engage with their young daughters, engage with young men, and, and, and be uh, that man figure. And we have God, family, and freedom. We have God uh, and family. We look at, I just talked about sustainability and how in the 60s it was just a different cultural framework to what we have now. And this whole campaign and, and plumbing and birth weights and all this other, and, and God's first command, you know, be fruitful and multiply. We know that strong families build strong communities. And how important it is. We know this campaign to destroy the families occurred. Because there's barely any. There's lots of broken families about. 
But we, we know that and they're still some maintaining themselves. And the only way you really maintain is putting God first. And I hope we put God first in this nation and in our own lives. And that family, we promote family and we promote. And this will help promote freedom. Because taking the man out, the leader, the head of the home. And taking the man out and destroying the families and everything like that is a, a direct effect on our freedom. On that that initial front, that front guard, that front guard, you know. And uh, so we want to make sure that we uphold what manhood in the scriptures teach what it really means to be the man. If you're struggling to find out what, how can I regain my manhood, I would say read the scriptures because it tells you how to be a good man. It tells you how to be a good woman. And it tells you what a, what a, what a good woman does. And it tells you what a good man does. So, and, um, so, of course, that's walking in love. So thank you for joining me for this broadcast. I know this was one of my longest broadcasts, but I, there was a lot to say. And I hope. Thank you for, if you have endured to the ending of this broadcast, you are a blessing. Thank you. I hope you return to listen for some more uh, good faith-based broadcasting, on, especially when it comes to our human relationships. Enjoy your Father's Day if you're having one and uh, encourage you to get involved. Sometimes this may be challenging and to get involved in your child's life, but go ahead and at least try. <laughs> so uh, we want strong families, strong men around. And uh, so thank you. Shalom. May God bless you. Have a good day or evening. Peace and love.